for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. How many would like to be able to pray like Elijah did? <clears throat> if we pay attention to what the Word is going to say tonight, I believe we can. There's an anointing that comes with it. There's a, there's a discipline that comes with it. Hallelujah. So we could just talk about the, the prayer of faith, but uh, what, what caught my attention was uh, the Apostle James uses Elijah as the example. So all of a sudden, since he uses Elijah as the great example that he was an ordinary man like you and I, uh, it puts prayer in another light. It's not just petitions. It's prophetic prayer. It's, it's taking prayer to, to the next level. It's, uh, it's having the expectation and begin to uh, uh, give, give the issues or, or, or declare the issues just as God wants them through your personality and through mine. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. So uh, it says in 1 Kings chapter 17 about Elijah. Some of you heard our testimony some years ago when we were here, how God called us to go overseas, and he used, he used uh, 1 Kings 17 and 18 to do it. So it's something that I know in my heart. But uh, I, I went back to it. In 1 Kings 17, the first verse opens where God tells Elijah, go hide yourself. And then in chapter 18, the first couple of verses, God opens, go show yourself. Hallelujah. So there's a time to hide and there's a time to go on the front line. Anybody with me? Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Well, when, when you read the story of Elijah... It, it's almost dumbfounding. He is used in the New Testament as the example of the person who knows how to pray the prayer of faith. But when you look at his life, yes, he did pray the prayer of faith, but if God was to do to you and to me what God did to Elijah, it doesn't seem like it's a very big step of faith because God told him what to pray. God told him what to do. So if, if God told you to go say that it's not going to rain for three and a half years, and he gave that to you privately, he put it in your spirit, well, uh, yeah, it takes a little diligence and courage to go out and face Ahab's, but uh, at least you know what the word of the Lord is. 
And so as all he did was go out and tell what he already knew was going to happen. It's not going to rain until, you, uh, until I say it's going to rain. Because God said so. So how big a step of faith is that? If God talks to you in the innermost part of your being and He tells you what His will is, and then He wants you to step out and declare what His will is, what He told you in secret, wow, it makes faith a lot easier. Uh If you think about it, you might even get to an amen. God wants us to print. If you're taking notes tonight, just write down about five sentences. Here's one right now. If you're going to pray the prayer of faith, Know what the will of God is to the best of your ability. Know what the will of God is to the best of your ability. Hallelujah. And then when you're praying the prayer of faith, declare what His will is. Hallelujah. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 18, if you're going to pray the prayer of faith, there's this element of timing. We need to learn the timing of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We'll have more on that this evening. But, but uh, uh, Ezekiel, uh, Elijah had to learn timing just like you and I do. We have to learn it just like he did. And secondly, if you want to write down something, if you're going to pray the prayer of faith, it's really best to deal with sin first. Good idea. Mm -hmm. Debbie read it in James. If there's any among you who have committed sins, uh, repent, confess your sins one to another, confess your sins to God, and you'll be healed. Hallelujah. So get sin out of the picture. In Elijah's case, he had to rid the nation of false prophets. Now, that took some courage uh, <laughs> uh, because they were prophesying Baal uh, and they were uh, 450 of them and you know how he set the stage. He, he went and challenged them that... Uh, It's time to decide who you're going to serve. And the God who answers by fire, because they were building an altar, uh, He is God, serve Him. Amen? So he had the false prophets build their altar and uh, put a bullock over the altar and, and, uh, and he told them to cry out to God, cry out to their God and see if He'll answer by fire and 450 of them were going wild. And then he began to mock them because, well, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's doing something else. You have to speak a little bit louder. And so they began to shout and cry, and they had whips, and they were slapping their back, and they were bleeding, and, and uh, they became a mess. And uh, finally, their God didn't answer, and they, he built an altar about the time of the evening sacrifice put the bullock on, they said, bring uh, uh, a bunch of water and pour over the sacrifice. 
and then fill the trenches, and they did that. You know the story. And then he begins to call out, and he posed the situation, and here's what he said in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. And it came to pass at that time of the evening offering sacrifice that uh, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, when you pray the prayer of faith, you have to make sure that you're not, uh, your prayer couldn't be answered by the prophets of Baal and all that junk that's around you. You need to be specific about calling on the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let it be known this day that you are the God of Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Wow. So, you see, he wasn't just doing the, the uh, challenge, giving the challenge to all of Israel and to the false prophets. He says, let it be known that I have staged this at your word because the people says, it's well said. You have stated the challenge really good. And he said, let the people know that I haven't done this at my own word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Let them know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Now, when he was praying, their heart was not yet turned back. So when we pray the prayer of faith, dear friends, we need to pray the prayer of faith, but we need to proclaim in advance before anything happens what's going to happen. We need to declare what we know, declare what we have heard, declare what we have heard in the secret place and make it known because when it happens and you have told about it in advance, then when it happens, people will know it's God. It's God. It's really God. After all, God did want their hearts to be turned back to Him. God did set, the, set up this challenge, and He did proclaim in advance. That's one of, the, one of the elements of a prayer of faith, is to proclaim what you know to be true before it's done. Now, you can go to... Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, where we find the definition of faith that we all know about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I put that in Larry language so that I can understand it better. Faith is your statement of hope before any evidence. The simpler, the better. Before you have evidence that your prayer is being answered, you make a statement of what you hope God's going to do, and your statement is based on His promise. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then in verse 41, uh, I, I'm going to go quick because I just want to really focus tonight on, uh, on the, the prayer time that's coming. Can we do that? I'm just kind of hitting the, the highlights, but go with me in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, 
for there is the sound of abundance of rain. Well, it hadn't rained yet, so there was really no sound. Hello? Nobody heard that sound of rain, except maybe Elijah. Maybe he heard it by the Spirit. Maybe it wasn't an actual uh, sound wave that you could measure on a sound meter, but he heard it in the Spirit. He heard it with his faith. He heard it because God said, go and tell them it's going to rain now. Hallelujah. And so he proclaimed, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And he tells Ahab to get ready to go down the mountain and, and uh, uh, go take care of things. There's an, a sound and of abundance of rain. When you pray the prayer of faith, have you heard some of the things that God wants to declare in the context of, of the miracle you're praying for? Oh, my. Oh, my. It, it's wonderful. I, I told you years ago about being in the city of Abukov in, in Ukraine. It's the one day in my life when God made my ministry something that resembled Jesus' ministry because everyone I prayed for got healed. It's only happened one day in my life. So when the Lord said through both of you, I need to raise my expectations, it could happen every day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But it happened in a book off. I just knew after we had preached and 150 people gave their heart to Jesus, uh, they were closing the meeting, and uh, 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 I, I just saw that people were getting healed. And I says, yes, yes. So I said, don't close the meeting. And I went and took the microphone back, and, and I pointed to somebody leaning on a pole over across the city square out in the open and I said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me and he's anointed me to tell you that pain in your leg and whatever it was that made you crippled it's not there anymore you better check it out he checked it out and it was gone and somebody else something similar and then I gave an altar call and another 150 or 200 people in the city square on the steps of the local uh, city government, the city square, uh, all these people lined up, and we began to pray for them. And everybody I prayed for was miraculously healed, many of them noticeable things. And, and uh, it was just a great joy. But you need to keep your heart open because when God speaks to you in the still small voice, you need to know that that's the very thing He wants to do. If you can hear it right, you will not miss. Hallelujah. So it turned out that people were laying all over the city square. And it was a wonderful sight. And the meeting had gone about three hours after I finished praying. That's the kind of meetings I like. So I think we'll just do that tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And uh, uh, 
Oh, the, I, I could just go on and on with stories from there. But that was the day that God began to change my life. Uh, there have been more healings in my ministry, in my life since that day. Every time you hear the still small voice and he tells you to do something, it won't change you for the moment only. It changes something in you that you can carry forth. You can carry it with you. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I bless you to get a hold of that. Hallelujah. Learn to know the voice of God. Elijah here, uh, uh, he had to learn to hear the voice of God just like the rest of us do. And God told Elijah, go in a cave on, here in this chapter and just the one beyond. Go in a cave and I'm going to pass by. And so God passed by, and there was a wind, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, and God wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was something else. What was it? Fire, but God wasn't in the fire. He wasn't to be found. Oh, but after the fire, there was a still, small voice, and we understand from New Testament eyes that that's one of the key ways that the Holy Ghost speaks to us today. So why do I say all that? When you're praying the prayer of faith, you can be like Larry and get all caught up in a frenzy. And, uh, you know, you just kind of get caught up in the moment. And, and you're praying about this and that and everything that comes to your mind and you're naming the, the promises and the speaking the word. But sometimes I have missed the target even though I prayed some pretty good stuff, Bishop. Man, if you'd have heard it, you might want to write it down and pray it too. Ah, but I missed the still small voice. Oh, we need to pay attention to what God is saying when we're praying the prayer of faith. Oh, that's the thing that changes the prayer. Because I, as I already said... You will never miss the target if you hear what the still small voice is saying to you, if you hear it right, interpret it right, and move on it in the right time. It will hit the target every time. It can change the way you pray the prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And then the last thing I want to share with you quickly tonight is... Uh, after, after uh, he had declared, after Elijah declared that it was going to rain, and it hadn't rained yet in, in uh, three and a half years, he went up on the top of Mount Carmel. And you know the picture. He went up there, and he took his servant with him, and I guess Ahab had come up there too, and he got up on top of Mount Carmel, and... and <laughs> And it says he, he put his head between his knees, so I can't do that either. <laughs> he put his head between his knees, and my goodness. <laughs> Son, can you put your head between your knees? Can you, can you do it? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, he's not even going to try. <laughs> Uh, but but I like the uh, I, I like what happens there in the text because it it taught me something, and I want to just share it with you. While he was sitting up there, he he had his head between his knees, 
And then he sent his servant, and he, he said, go look at the horizon. Is there rain coming? And he went six times, and there was no rain coming. And then he finally sent him the seventh time, and his servant said, I see a rain cloud on the horizon about the size of a man's hand. And he says, glory to God. And he got up and he took his robe and he began to pull it through and tie it up so that he could outrun the chariots. What lesson do we learn from the guy Apostle James said is our example. Elijah knew how to wait for the answer. Oh, so many of us are instant people, aren't we? We don't know how to wait for the answer. But why did he, why did he put his head between his knees? I believe it was so that his eyes wouldn't take a quick sneak peek to see if the rain was coming or not. Because his, you, you see, faith comes by hearing. Uh, and in, so that, that's, why he sent the, that's why he sent his servant, uh, and he kept his eyes hid, uh, and finally he heard that there was a, a cloud the size of a man's hand, and he knew that was the answer. You see, faith comes by hearing, doubt comes by seeing. That's why he hid his eyes. And if, if, if he's our example, then we need to learn how to hide our eyes and open our ears. I like that song somebody was practicing with before, before we had church tonight. You guys were practicing Psalms 24. Get the gates open. Yeah. If we get the gates open, there's a gate in our ear, a gate in our eye, the breath gate, and a mouth gate. We need to get the gates open because when the gate gets open, the king's coming in. It's a sure thing if we get the gates open. But most of us have our gates closed or they've been closed so long they're rusted shut. And, and we, the, hinge, the hinges are rusted shut. The, and there's a lock on it and we don't have the key. But, but here's, here's what the Lord is saying. If we can uh, put aside some of our past experience in prayer, if we can get our gates open... Oh, then the king of glory, he's really going to come in. It's a sure thing. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to, to see uh, with a vision. He wants us to have the breath of life that God exhales on us through his written word to release promises that all have a yes answer. And he wants us to begin to speak what is promised. When we get the gates open, the king is coming in. Hallelujah. And then I like what happens at the end of that, uh, sister, that uh, uh, if the gates are open, who is this uh, king of glory? Well, he is, he is the king of glory. He is the Lord of hosts. Oh, my. When I heard that, he is the Lord of hosts, it began to, it began to do something on the inside of me. Uh, brother... brother uh, what's your name? Steward. I was thinking of your wife, Anne. Yeah, but anyway, you don't look like her, but anyway. <laughs> Brother, uh, I, I was beginning to think, this is, this is incredible. 
if we can get our gates open, the king of glory is coming in. But then it's turned around right there at the last. He is the Lord of hosts. And what he's saying, if we can get our gates open, wow, uh, he's inviting you and I to host him. Oh, the Lord of hosts is wanting to be hosted. And if we can get our gates open, if we learn how to pray the prayer of faith and we learn how to declare by the written word, learn how to hear the voice, that still small voice that's within, and we begin to declare what he's saying, we're going to hit the target. And you, as a, a, a New Testament believer praying the prayer of faith, you will begin to declare, Oh, Lord of glory, come on in and all of a sudden, he who has ho- he who hosts all the angels and those strange creatures around the throne, having eyes all around, and, and all the servants and all the, the believers from the ages past up until this very moment, the Lord of hosts is saying, I want you to host me. I want you to host me. And when you begin to host him, You'll pray the prayer of faith, and it will just begin to happen. Hallelujah. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you right now that we can have a few moments just to practice. Just to practice. And, and I pray, Lord, because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness, because of your word, I pray that you would give us a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I want to pose a problem that I want us to address for a moment because we don't do it very often in the church. I want to pose the problem of policemen being shot in America. It's an epidemic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a terrible thing. It's hard to be a policeman nowadays because you're walking around with a target on your back. But I read in Romans chapter 13 that he who carries the sword doesn't carry it in vain. He carries it because he is prompted by God to enforce the rules of government because he is God's other minister. And if a minister, then he has authority. And so you need to begin, when you see a police patrol car drive by, you need to just kind of rejoice in your heart. Oh, there's another one of God's ministers. And uh, if he's a minister, then the gifts of the Spirit should be working in him to help him be in the right place at the right time so that he can help catch the criminals. But even beyond that, he should be able to be protected by our prayers. We need to count him as one of the servants of the Most High God. 